Welcome to Freedom Fellowship Church in Kakana, Wisconsin. We are a non-denominational, Bible-teaching Christian church. Visit us at cometofreedom.com. We hope you're encouraged by God's Word. Here's Pastor Landon Churchill with today's message. So this morning, guys, we're going to get into Matthew chapter 22 um, together. And we're going to see how God does a wedding. And we're going to see how important it is for us to grasp the reality of the invitation that God gives to all people. So before we dive into this chapter together uh, this morning, let's pray and just ask him uh, to open our hearts and ears to uh, hear what his spirit would have for us this morning. And Father, that is our desire. We don't want to miss what you're up to right now. We know your word is a, uh, truly a light, Father, for us, God. Um, it illuminates and makes known so many things that we don't see. They're there, but for some reason it's easy for us to be in the dark or to find ourselves blind. And if that would be the case this morning for any of us, God, we're asking for your help to illuminate, Lord, to make aware those things that may be missing. We're thankful for your word. We're thankful for these parables that we find in the Gospel of Matthew. We don't want to miss what you're saying through them, so we're asking for understanding. We want to get these things right. And we thank you for this wonderful invitation that you've made to all people that we find here this morning. And I do want to ask, Lord, if there are any here this morning or that will be watching online uh, that haven't responded to this invitation of yours, that they would do it quickly. Because today is the day of salvation, as you've told us. And we thank you that we have such a good Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I was reading this week the top 10 wedding invitation etiquette questions and how they're to be answered. I'm only going to read to you guys three of them. And one of the things that came up, we're having adults-only wedding. No kids. Have you guys ever got one of those invitations? No kids, but my kids like to eat and dance. They're the fun ones, right? <laughs> um, also, something else that came up that you need to do in your invites is how can we make sure that this is clear to our guests about the kids or whatever? How do we let the guests know our dress code, what's expected of them, uh, one was I invited my friend and her boyfriend, and the name of the boyfriend was on the invite, but they broke up recently, and the guy she now wants to invite, they don't even like, so <laughs> what do you do in that situation? Um, and then I wanted to add a fourth one that wasn't on there. You see, when you get married normally there's a reception and i know people have paid 30 40 50 bucks a plate for the guests so if a family say of five respond to the rsvp yes and they're a no show are you allowed to send them a bill then <laughs> you see wedding planning can be a very difficult thing who do you invite who don't you invite who can sit by who, at what tables, or is even this table too close to those people way over there? You guys know what I'm talking about. But it's cool this morning for us here in Matthew 22, because when God planned a wedding, he had just as many problems. So this is the parable this morning that we find of the wedding feast. And this is the third parable. If you guys look at verse 1 with me, this is the third parable in a series of three. And it says, And Jesus answered and spoke to them again by parables and said. So again, this was spoken in Jesus' last week on earth. So this is right before he was about to be captured, beaten, crucified, and buried. So... Um, there's a lot of hostilities that were taking place. We're going to read a lot of the Pharisees' issues, the chief priests, the elders. They all have issues with Jesus. Okay, Aren't you guys glad that people don't have issues with Jesus anymore today? Yeah, I love that. Um, but look at verse 2. Okay, let's, let's consider wedding planning or being the wedding planner here. Okay, The kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who arranged a marriage for his son. Catch what's going on here. We have a king. He's arranging this marriage for his 
Son. So the gospel is a glorious festival in the honor of a wondrous marriage by which God and man are made one. Truly a match made in heaven. Amen? You guys ever, now you think of that term in a way that you never had before, right? I, know, I love the gospel. It's a beautiful picture of marriage. But anyways, I want us to note the king made all the arrangements. Grab a hold of that fact here. Not his wife, not the son, but it was the king. And I also want us to note it's about his son's wedding. Okay? Not his... Uh, not the, the bride. Actually, the bride's never mentioned. Okay? So I think that's significant. And one of those things, when you have a wedding, happens at almost every wedding you go to, there's scripture readings, aren't there? So at this time, we're going to have a couple scripture readings by Pastor David Fiorazzo. Revelation 19, verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice, and let us give honor to him. For the time has come for the wedding feast of the Lamb, and his bride has prepared herself. And in Esther, chapter 1, the king's banquet. These events happened in the day of King Xerxes, who reigned over 127 provinces stretching from India to Ethiopia. At that time, Xerxes ruled over his empire from his royal throne at the fortress of Susa. In the third year of his reign, he gave a banquet for all his nobles and officials. He invited all the military officers of Persia and Media, as well as the princes and nobles of the provinces. The celebration lasted 180 days, a tremendous display of the opulent wealth of his empire and the pomp and splendor of his majesty. When it was all over, the king gave a banquet for all the people, from the greatest to the least, who were in the fortress of Susa. It lasted for seven days and was held in the courtyard of the palace garden. The courtyard was beautifully decorated with white cotton curtains and blue hangings, which were fastened with white linen cords and purple ribbons to silver rings embedded in marble pillars. Gold and silver couches stood on a mosaic pavement of porphyry, marble, mother of pearl, and other costly stones. Drinks were served in golden goblets of many designs, and there was an abundance of royal wine reflecting the king's generosity. By edict of the king, no limits were placed on the drinking, for the king had instructed all his palace officials to serve each man as much as he wanted. At the same time, Queen Vashti gave a banquet for the women in the royal palace of King Xerxes. Now that's a banquet, wouldn't you guys say? Absolutely. But here comes the groom. And I want us to catch that here this morning in Matthew 22. So you can imagine God putting one on, one of these banquets, wedding festivals. Now something that often happens before a wedding takes place is you get a save the date, right? How many of you guys have gotten one of those? Save the date, right? And you're like, yeah, they're going to get married. Put it on the calendar so we don't miss it. Very important part. Look at verse 3. It says, And he sent out his servants to call those who were invited to the wedding and they were not willing to come. Now, I want us to get this first invitation that goes out was for the general. It was a general invitation. This was a special invitation from the king himself. So it would have been a royal invitation. Okay, it was the equivalent of a royal command. And if uh, disobeyed, the refusers would suffer the consequences. For the Jewish people, the Jews, they were so highly honored or were highly honored by God. Think about it. They were a chosen people, a chosen nation among all the nations of the earth. They were the ones that were chosen to attend the wedding of the king's son. I think that's pretty cool. But I also want us to know, guys, that they could uh, not come or that they could not come. They would not come. Okay, 
that was the pro did you guys catch that there they were not willing so the custom was two invites the first asked guests to attend usually issued suddenly and then the second would be announced to all, that all was ready. It was kind of like Herasaurus and Hammond when they were invited to Esther's feast. And then when they were ready, the king's chamberlains, they went to get Hammond, we read later, in Esther. So that's how they would roll back then. Now, verse 4, dinner served. How many of you guys, that's your favorite part of a wedding? Be honest, I won't judge. Okay. I'm there with you, Glenn. Love you, buddy. All right. <laughs> Look at verse 4. This is the second invitation then. And again, he sent out other servants saying, Tell those who are invited, See, I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle are killed, and all things are ready. Come to the wedding. So the king continued here to make preparations for the wedding. And the big day came, so we <laughs> sent them out again to remind them that they're invited to this banquet. And what a patient king. I read this and I'm like, wow, he is so patient here. Another opportunity, another invitation is made. And all things are ready. Turn to Proverbs with me, middle of the Bible, right after Psalms chapter 9 with me we're going to look at uh this parable's echoes this wisdom's invitation okay all things are ready and if you guys have studied the book of proverbs you know it's about getting wisdom gaining wisdom that's what it's all about and then in proverbs 9 verse 2 it says she speaking or referring to wisdom has prepared a great banquet mixed the wines and set the table she has sent her servants to invite everyone to come she calls out from the heights overlooking the city come in with me she urges the simple and to those who lack good judgment she says come eat my food and drink my wine that i've mixed so this beautiful invitation goes out again to everyone Guys, isn't that wonderful? I love it. Because this invitation is still available today. If anybody wants to be wise, they can go to the one who is most wise. It is an open invitation. And we are blessed to have his word. So don't you guys get frustrated when you've prepared a hot meal and your family hasn't come right away and the food starts getting cold? Sonny, I never do that. But the rest of you guys probably get frustrated when that happens. You like your food hot. I kind of see that happening here. So let's flip back to Matthew chapter 22. I know some people have this mentality that heaven can wait, okay? But as we read verses 5 and 6 here, I want us to catch the king's actions met reactions. Look what happens in verse 5. But they made light of it, and they went their ways one to his own farm, another to his business. And the rest seized his servants, treated them spitefully, and killed them. Really? We're going to go, this is a wedding celebration. <laughs> what is going on here? Well, guys, we need to understand that the bulk of Jewish, uh, the Jewish race gave small heed to apostolic preaching. They reject it. We don't care what you guys have to say what jesus did and what he said and what he's called you guys to go and teach and do you see they went their ways we're told it wasn't the king's way okay it was or the way it was their way and that's always a scary way so carnal men you guys know what they love carnal things right that's just the way it is. Let's be honest. It's very logical. Fleshy people like fleshy things. They are earthbound. And what are we told? They made light. Okay? They made light of this invitation, of this wedding. 
To neglect is what that means, or to be unconcerned. Some were even hostile. Some were indifferent. They blew off their invitation. Some may have doubted the truth of it. Some may have just ignored it. Others may have strained um, ruler-subject relationships. Others flat out just refused to attend. And others took it to another level by being disrespectful and even killing the king's messengers. Well, that doesn't happen. It's happening today, guys. People are going to share the good news of Jesus Christ, the best news anyone could ever hear. And we have brothers and sisters who are not just being thrown in prison, they're being put to death for it. Even some that are being put to death just for believing. They're not even out preaching. They're just personally choosing to follow Jesus. So have you made light of God's love for you? I mean, let's get real about this. Are we going to bring some application? This is a great story, Jesus. Nice parable. What are you trying to teach us? What he's trying to teach us is what have you done with this? Have you responded to the love of God personally? Are you more concerned with your home or your farm than the things of God? Is your business, stocks, and trade consuming you? Have you been accused of being married to your work? If you look at the end of verse 6 here, it says, and killed them. You guys remember who the first martyr was in the church? Stephen, right? Okay. First to be martyred for the truth, okay, after the Lord's crucifixion, and by no means was he the last. If the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, the holy land was plentifully sown with it in the early days of Christianity. You guys understand that? Caesar did not like what was going down. People worshiping another king? <laughs> We're not going to do that. Anyone who worships this King Jesus, they're going to be crucified, just like we crucified their Lord and their Savior, Jesus. Now, look at verse 7. Rejection always equals distraction. We see here, but when the king heard about it, he was furious, and he sent out his armies. He destroyed those murderers, and he burned up their city. Okay, so let's go back. We know that Israel, Israel's rejection of the invitation led to the destruction of Jerusalem. We were told that was the reason Jerusalem was destroyed. So the siege of Jerusalem and the massacre of the people and the destruction of the capital were all described. Those that were interested in the farm bought the farm. Okay, during the time, Roman Emperor Vespasian uh, thought he was sending his armies against the Jews, but was unconsciously really working out this eternal purpose that God already had planned out. He was just doing God's uh, will here of the Most High. Also, consider as God did both with Assyria and Babylon, using them to punish Israel in the past. We also know that we not only see the incredible love of the king in this parable set before us, but we also see incredible wrath. Are you guys catching that? Some of you might like, this is not a nice wedding story. Why would you dress up for this pastor? <laughs> this is who God is, guys. Okay? God, there would not be incredible love without incredible wrath. And we see that throughout Scripture. And for us who have come to a saving faith in Christ, we understand what we've been saved from. We understand what we deserve. You see, if you look at the descriptive words that are used here by our Lord and Savior, look at verse 7. Furious, destroyed, burned up. Jump down a few to verse 13 with me. Bind him, take him away. Cast him into outer darkness, weeping, gnashing of teeth. So guys, as deep as his love reaches, it is the same depth in which his wrath will stretch. God is a consuming fire. He's a jealous God, right? Deuteronomy 4.24. You guys should jot that down. That is who he is. That's how he's described himself. 
He's that consuming fire. He's a jealous God. Why are we to stay away from idols? Okay? Because they're not God. There's one God, and we've been created to worship Him. Period. So if we look at verses 8 to 10, again, I want to point out for you and I, this is an open invitation. Okay? Um, in verse 8, Then he said this to his servants, The wedding is ready, but those who were invited were not worthy. Therefore, go into the highways, and as many as you find, invite them to the wedding. So those servants, they went out into the highways, and they gathered together all whom they found, both bad and good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. Okay, So in wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk 3.2 tells us that. So remember in that, jump back in Matthew 21, verse 43. You guys remember? It said, therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. So taken and given to a nation. So the doors now are open to the Gentiles, to the rest of the world, the rest of the nations. This is where that wider commission that Jesus gave comes in to play. In the highways, as you guys know, are places where streets, uh, they cut through the city boundaries and they go off into the country. So as many as you find, it says here, this indicates there's no limit to the invite. Isn't that cool? As many as you find... Anyways, we're going to leave it at that. The king is pictured of benevolence, and this portrays the mercy and the love that God's extended to sinners. So he wants all to come to his feast. And that invitation, guess what? It's still open today. Isn't that pretty cool to think about, guys? That invitation is still good today. He's still inviting all. He doesn't want any to perish. The invitation. But how are they going to hear unless there's a preacher? Okay? That doesn't fall on me because I'm a pastor. We're all to do that work. We're all to do the work of evangelism. We're all to go and preach the gospel, to be those ambassadors, to share with this world. They need to hear the gospel. So, verse 10, uh, you either are a missionary or you're a mission field. Chew on that for a second. You're either a missionary or you're a mission field. The good and bad that we read about here, okay, it's a gathering of the visible church. It's the tares growing alongside of the wheat. It's the wheat and the chaff lying on the same floor together. It's the dross that's been mingled in with the precious gold. It's the goats getting in among the sheep. And it's the gospel net enclosing fish of every kind, both bad and good. So the happy guests, think about this. Wow, out of the streets, into the palace. Can you guys imagine that? Really, I'm just a nobody <laughs> out on the streets. And I've been invited where? To the king's palace for a banquet? That's pretty awesome. I'm not deserving. I'm a nobody. <laughs> Aren't you guys glad? I sure am. Spurgeon said this, the beggar was taken from the dunghill to sit with princes in the presence of the king. Wow. So guests, okay? Literally, it means reclining guests. Chilling out, okay? Special place of honor. I hope you guys are getting what Jesus is trying to get at here. Okay? He loves us, guys. He loves us. Wrath is a very real thing. Jesus didn't shy away from that. He talks about hell more than he talks about heaven in the scriptures. A lot of people think, why do you talk about hell? Well, you can't read the Bible, study the scriptures without having to deal with it. It's all over. It is a reality. The wrath of God is real. But God has made a way for our, that wrath to be appeased. And it's through his son Jesus, guys. And it's because of Jesus we see the love of God. It was dem his love was demonstrated when he hung upon that tree, upon the cross. Romans 5.8, he demonstrated his love towards us when we were yet sinners, deserving of that wrath. He died for us, guys. It's beautiful. 
So have you guys ever tried to get into a store that says no shirt, no shoes, no service? Have you done that? No? You guys haven't seen those? Yeah. Some people just need to get out a little more. Uh, <laughs> so as we read here, look at verse 11. I want you guys to watch. Look at <laughs> how they missed it, how much they missed it by. Okay, verse 11. But when the king came to see the guests, he saw a man there who did not have on a wedding garment. So he said to him, friend, how did you come in without a wedding garment? And he was speechless. And then the king said to his servants, bind him by the hand and foot, take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So get this, guys. The garment here symbolizes the wearing or the wearer has been forgiven. That's the point that Jesus is getting at. Okay? We have these garments. We have been forgiven. Our sins have been covered. We are now members of the household of God's because of Christ, through Christ. You can jot down Luke 15, 22. Um, it says there, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robes and put it on him. So these guys decided to show up in their sweats, okay, by wearing the wedding garment furnished by the king no one uh, reveals poverty or misery. There's a cool picture there for you and I. We all show up the same. No one better, no one lesser. In Christ, we're all the same. It's beautiful. So, coat and tie in use, whatever's going on. I want us to all to turn to the last book of the Bible together, Revelation. Chapter 19, right towards the end of it. We're going to look at verse 10. We're going to see why John the Apostle here, why he fell down. And what did he just say here? Look at verse 10 with me in Revelation 19. And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, See that you do not do that. I'm your fellow servant and of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. I love that scripture. But let's jump back up and get a little context around this statement. Look at verse 7 with me. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Verse 8. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, Right, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true sayings of God. What? Okay, and that's all that matters, guys. Have you been invited? Yes. Are you going to be there for the marriage supper of the Lamb? That's on you. Are you going to respond to the invitation or not? You see, God's beautiful balance that we find in Scripture in these <laughs> words that we just read, we see man's responsibility clearly, but we also see God's sovereignty clearly. They're both there. And to ignore either one, we become unbiblical. Okay, what is God speaking to? And I think it's beautiful here. You guys see man's responsibility? She has made herself ready in verse 7. She has done this. Okay? And then we see God's sovereignty in verse 8. To her, it was granted okay, by God himself. So her wedding gown is her righteous acts, we're told. We seem to get a white garment at salvation, which is from him. And then we make a dress on top of it, okay, where every good work is another stitch in making this wedding dress. So the first, salvation. The second, sanctification. There's a difference there. Some people believe that you can be sanctified. If I just get good enough, then I can find salvation. Where's that in the Bible? It doesn't work that way. I'll get right with God when I get myself right. i got to get good enough for Him. I've had people tell me that all the time. 
I can't come to church. Thanks for the invite, but I can't come if you only knew. I got I to gotta get some things right first before I can come visit. Really? That's not how it works, guys. We are saved, and once we are saved, then God begins to change us. Sanctification begins to take place in our lives. Ephesians 2.10, you can jot down if you're not doing anything on Tuesday night. The Van Coolens, I think you guys are starting Ephesians chapter 2 this week, right? 6 o'clock on Tuesday. And they kind of go slow at that study. Hopefully you guys get to verse 10. I love verse 10. It says, for we are God's workmanship. We are his poema, is the Greek word, his poem. Created in Christ Jesus for what, guys? For good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so if we are a part of the church, if we are in Christ, a Christian, there are things that he has for us to be doing, good works to be doing. He's prepared these things for us. Well, how does that look? Well, it's going to look a little different for each one of us, but we know it's going to be according to his will and his purposes and for the glory of God. So this man, okay, was... Uh, was worse than those who refused the invitation. For while he professed to accept it, he only came that he might insult the king to his face. Ha <laughs> ha, I'm here with my sweats on. <laughs> you know? um, so God has his foes uh, you know, outside of the church and even within the church. That's what I read here. Do you guys see that too? That's what's going on. So why did he come? Well, maybe it was a temporary benefit. Hey, I'm going to show up because I'm going to get this out of coming. Maybe it was in hopes to catch a glimpse of the king. Hey, I just want to see the king and his son. I think that would be pretty cool because they're always there in the palace. Never get to see them. Maybe it was the desire to belong to a group. Hey, I'm just going to show up. I need a little club to hang out with. Well, maybe it's to be around good people. I want to change. I want to be better. And I just, people I'm hanging with, they, uh, not a good influence. Go hang out with some good people. Or maybe it was to taste the king's caviar, his sushi, or maybe his Turkish delights. I don't know. <laughs> we don't know what his intentions were, but they were wrong. So I want us to make a note to self here. Be sure not to wear your self-righteousness. You guys can even write that in your Bibles. That's totally okay. Don't wear your self-righteousness. Why? I'm glad you guys asked. You can also jot down Isaiah 64, verse 6. Isaiah 64, 6. All your righteousness, this is God speaking. Think about this. Your righteousness, what you think is right, your goodness is what before God? Filthy rags. What? But I tried really hard, God. I did my best. It was the right thing to do. And to you, you're just going to call them filthy rags? Absolutely, guys. Because when do we feel good about ourselves? Well, it's when we look at one another, right? Well, I saw what they're doing, and I did it better. Or my neighbor, you know, they're a pretty good person, but I'm, you know, I do it better than they do. We're comparing ourselves to one another. What is God's standards? Is that what he said? No, he said, be holy as I am holy. Okay? He set down his standards, and we rebelled. We sinned against him. Now in our sin nature, guys, the best we can do before the Lord, he just considers filthy rags. So you can also jot down with me Isaiah 61, verse 10. Because what's the point of him telling us that our righteousness is filthy rags? Well, we need to let him provide garments of his righteousness. That's the point that he's getting to. And we read that in Isaiah 61.10. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God. For he, catch it, he has clothed me with garments of salvation. And he has covered me with robes of what? righteousness he's done this as a bridegroom decks himself with or, uh, ornaments and a bride adorns herself with her jewels okay so you want to find salvation and righteousness he's the one who's going to make those robes he's the one 
who's going to clean us up and be able to make us right in that way. Now let's go back to Matthew chapter 22, verse 12 speaks to this. Um, not everybody here is remaining in the wedding hall. That's what's going on. Only those who accepted the king's invitation and entered the palace on his terms. Okay, great. We're all invited, but are we willing to come on his terms? Some people don't like coming on his terms. I want to do it my way, you know? Well, then you don't get in. <laughs> it's got to be according to his terms. He wants everybody there, but it's got to be on the right terms that you may stay. And then this little word, speechless, okay, in 12, that means to be muzzled, but still not dropping to his knees here. So woe to anyone without a wedding garment is what Jesus is getting at. So this man insulted the king in his own palace and showed disobedience to these royal requirements. And then we're told in verse 13 that they were to cast him or cast him away as men throw weeds, say, you know, over the garden wall or whatever, into outer darkness. Other words, away from the banquet hall, where it's lit up brightly with torches and lamps. It is all the more darker to them because they had seen the light. It's like from a brightly lit room into a pitch black basement or something. Radical difference. And I think that's going to be hell for most people, guys. They're going to finally get to see God, the glory of who he is, to see that he is love, and to see Christ, the scars that he still bears in heaven, the glory of who he is, and then depart from me, I never knew you, and they're sent into outer darkness. I think hell is knowing what you've missed, finally seeing God face to face, and knowing you rejected him oh, all eternity. The outer darkness is going to suck. Gnashing teeth is going to suck. But I think the worst part is knowing what you now are going to miss for all time. Now, um, yeah, let's move on. Uh, let's look at verse 14. The few, the proud, the redeemed here. Called and chosen, it tells us, for many are called, but few are chosen. So the masses miss the wedding feast. A few choice spirits here find it by the only God's grace. And I want you guys to notice called. It's not the called, okay? He also was speaking of the Jews here. So this man without a robe to those who were called to the feast but rejected the invite. And then the chosen. Who are the chosen? I'm glad you asked. All who would respond, good and bad, from the highways and the byways, who received the wedding gown, those who would recline with him, those who rendered due honor at the wedding of his son. So it's like the children of Israel. Many were called out of Egypt, but few were actually able to enter in. You guys remember that? There were only a few that believed. It's like Gideon's army. They were all called, weren't they? Thousands. But only three were chosen. Or, thir or 300 were chosen. Also, if you think about the 12 that were sent in to spy the land, you guys remember? It was only Joshua and Caleb, only two that were chosen. I want to wrap up with this thought. A fugitive. What's a fugitive? A fugitive is one who is running away from home. And then we have vagabonds. What's a vagabond? It's one who has no home. Then there, there are those who are strangers, those who have run away from home. Uh, then we have pilgrims. It's one who is on their way home. So this morning, guys, it doesn't matter if you're a fugitive or if you're a vagabond, or if you're a stranger, or if you're a pilgrim. You are invited to the finest banquet that has ever been prepared. You are invited. It doesn't matter who you are. You are invited. I believe that with all my heart. 
I see that throughout the scriptures from Genesis to Revelation. It doesn't matter who you are, what you've done or haven't done. You are all invited. So I'm not asking you guys to leave all your worries and your troubles behind because you're probably just going to pick them up. You know, we have a lot of talk about that today. Instead of positive thinking or just do this and then. Uh, <laughs> instead, okay, because we're always going to be burdened by things over and over again. But instead, there's this invitation that we can come to Christ as we are. And we can actually leave those things at the foot of the cross. It's one of the most beautiful invitations that I find in Scripture. Come as you are. We can come as we are. And we can lay all those things down. And we can bow our knee and give our allegiance to Jesus Christ. And when you do that, all things become new. Things change. Circumstances may be the same, but there's been a change, a very real change. You see, living unburdened through faith in Christ is something I wish every human being had. Life's not easy. I haven't had an easy week. But let me tell you what, having peace with my maker, knowing Jesus Christ, it's okay. I have hope that is real. I have a hope that is so real that I'm willing to share it with this entire world. And this is a hope that we all have, brothers and sisters, that we have the privilege of sharing with this world. So this banquet has been prepared just for you by the Son of God. And the cool thing is you're the guest of honor. That's the thing I don't get. So I'm not that special. Are you that special? You might think you're special, even if you think you're special. Guess what? It's still for you. You're still a guest of honor. That's the coolest thing. It doesn't matter. It's because of him and his love, guys. You understand that? Do you know how adored you are by God? How loved you are by God? Don't miss that in Scripture. You are so loved by him. But he's not going to force any of you guys the invitation's out there. It's your choice whether you go or not, whether you respond or not. I have a hard time when people say, well, pastor, why would a loving God send to hell? I have to tell them, I don't think God sends people to hell. He didn't create hell for us. It was created for Satan and his little minions who rebelled against God. But we chose to sin against God also. But God went out of his way to do everything we couldn't do, even in our best efforts. And that's what I love about the scriptures, guys. Study the Old Testament. It's mankind trying to do their best in different ways, and they always fell short. And that's why everything comes back to God having to do it. That's why God became a man. That's why Jesus came and did what he did. That's why Jesus is speaking boldly to us this morning. Hey, Jesus, tell me a story about a wedding. You know? I love my daughter. She likes talking about weddings. I don't think I'd tell her quite a story like this. But God loves us enough to tell us the truth, guys. I love you. You're all invited. But if you don't come and come on my terms, you're not going to make it in. But that's your choice. So does God send people to hell? No, we choose to reject him. Guys, the Holy Spirit is working today and maybe working in your heart today, convicting you of sin, of judgment, of righteousness. That's what he does. And it's so crazy how many people oppose the Holy Spirit. They want nothing to do with Jesus. And why is there so much persecution going on today to the Christian church? 
Because people deep down, they know the truth. The Holy Spirit has been working on them and they have chosen to reject. So when somebody says, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? No, a loving God went through hell to lay down his life for us. Brutally tortured, crucified to a tree so we could be forgiven. He overcame sin and death and hell that we may be offered this morning this wonderful invitation that we find in the gospel of Jesus Christ and it's for all men if we respond to it. That's your choice, guys. Your choice. I see it in scripture, guys. So, I would ask you please respond. Please respond today to the gospel message. It's on you. It's on you. I don't know where you're at. I hope you're all saved, but I don't know that for sure or not. God does. And he loves you where you're at. And he wants you to be with him for all time. He's made everything the way (laughs) possible. What we need to do is respond to the invitation. Amen? All right. So I totally forgot my slides this morning. I apologize for that. But there's one thing I want to bring up to you guys. Here we go. All right. Oh, this is a cool one. <laughs> I was going to show this is not the one I was looking at. But anyways, congratulations, Jesus, for you are worthy, for you have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation. That's what he's been up to, guys. And he's doing it today. I love it. You know how many people are getting saved today? It's so cool. Anyways, something we're going to be doing, and I told you guys a few weeks back that this fall in September, we're going to be doing an outreach to the community, to people we love. We want people to come and to grow in the Lord. We want them to come to salvation. I think about this parable this morning, okay? How many of our loved ones, family, friends, need to hear the truth of the gospel? A lot of these people don't have a clue. You know, they have a lot of questions, but they're not seeking. And we have the privilege, guys, to share with others. So this week I was working on, you guys think the heart thing's cool? Okay, small church, big heart. Pastor David came up with that. He was visiting, what church were you at? Yeah, down, so something good in Illinois. <laughs> but anyways, that was a theme they were using down there. I'm like, that, you know, that's just a cool idea. So we're going to just, you know, kind of run with that theme. But the big things, guys, is we just want to share the love of Jesus Christ with other people. That's what we want to do. So like you have in your hands these little hangers for the pantry. We're going to be making some of these up in August. And what we want to do is just go to our neighbors. Hey, love for you guys to come to church and again it's almost 90 percent of people would come to church if they were personally invited 90 percent, guys if they were just invited so that's something we want to do as a fellowship okay i don't know about you guys but i want to be one of those servants for the kings what do i do just invite people that's your just go out in the highways and the byways and just invite so that's something we're going to be doing so start praying and i encourage you guys to be praying for your friends be praying for family, that the hearts would be prepared and receptive, that they would come. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, Romans 10, 17. And let me tell you what, some people don't like talking scripture or you got those friends that you want to reason with them in the word of God and it turns into a debate and you guys got those friends, you can't actually go anywhere, you're just kind of like in a circle the whole time. But there's something about having time on a Sunday morning just carved out, hey, we're going to take an hour no distractions, and we're just going to get into what God's word says. And it's good stuff. I don't know about you guys, but this parable, it's pretty spot on. It's something we all need to hear, something we all need to deal with. And it's good. Why? Because it's going to grow our faith. And that's what we want for others. So I encourage you guys, start praying for your friends. And we're going to, as a church family, you know, we're just going to let people know. I feel like Freedom Fellowship's under the radar. I think What God's doing here is a good thing. It's needed in the church. We're not about playing games. (laughs) We're about Jesus Christ. The world needs to hear, and they need to know. Amen? Amen? Amen. Cool. Why don't you guys stand to your feet, and we'll close in prayer.
Uh, if I could have a few of the elders come forward too after I'm done praying, if any of you guys want to come up for prayer, you're invited to. Maybe it is to just pray uh, with one of these guys to receive the Lord personally, but there's always things going on in life. And one of those things that we see in Scripture is, hey, are there any among you who are ill <laughs> that are going through it? Call for the elders of the church. Have them pray for you. We'd love to pray for you guys. We love you. Um, we'd love to do that. So if any of you elders want to come forward, that would be great. The rest of you guys won't move our heads, and we'll close our time in prayer this morning. Father, we are thankful for this time you've given us uh, this morning to go through this parable of the wedding feast. We're also very thankful for how upfront you are, Jesus, and just truthful how things are. You're not watering down anything. You're not sugarcoating it. You're just speaking truth, and we know that you're doing it in love. Father, because you so love this world that you gave your only begotten Son that whoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. That is who you are. You are a loving Father. And we are so thankful, God, that you have done all that you have done. God, that you've made a way for us to be forgiven, Lord, to be redeemed. We're so thankful for the gospel. We're not ashamed of it. We know that it is the power of God unto salvation. And we would pray uh, just corporately as a church and also individually that you'd give us opportunities to share with others, with loved ones, um, just the reality of the good news of who you are, Jesus, to open the scriptures with them. And pray you give favor. And even as we give invites for people to come and uh, join us here at church, that people would come to learn of you, to hear your word. And we want to be those, Father, who are... Um, really centered on you, Jesus, about eternal things, eternal business, God. And we want to do that, whether it's through giving or sharing, our time spent loving on our neighbor or whatever. We just, uh, we want wisdom. We want to walk uh, with you to be in step with you wherever you would lead, God. So help us to do that and help us to represent you well. We ask in your name, Jesus. Amen? Amen. Amen. God bless you, and thanks for listening to today's message. For more information on Freedom Fellowship Church or to hear other teachings, please visit our website, cometofreedom.com, or interact with us at facebook.com slash Church.